You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. is it going everybody thank you for joining us on another episode episode number 555 very exciting i'm dropping the gloves official podcast of hockeyfights.com tim's here but not for long tim this is it last podcast in traverse city then you're off to greener pastures are you excited to go I am. This is a monumentous, monumental, uh, momentous, <laughs> whatever the word is, uh, episode. Yeah, this is my last, my last night in Traverse City. Mayor Matt, uh, the mattress, every, all my furniture is all packed. I'm sleeping on an air mattress tonight and hitting the road bright and early tomorrow. And where does the next Mrs. Wurzberger live? <laughs> TBD. Who knows? Where are you Who moving knows? to? That was the question. Uh, North Carolina, Charlotte, Ooh. North Carolina. So, Petey Pablo, have you ever heard of that song? No. Look it up. It's like the North Carolina anthem. P.D. Pablo. This one's for North Carolina. You're too young. That's the difference. That's exciting. That's Very excited. Yeah, very excited. It was really nice. I stopped by your house last night, got to say goodbye, and and Danielle was full of hugs and words of wisdom, and it was really good to see her, too. I was a little busy. I was a little preoccupied. (laughs) You missed it. Like, if you would have came five minutes earlier... I had my literal literal hand and arm up to my elbow uh, in the mortar because I was mixing with my hand because I, 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 I'm redoing my bathroom. And so I was mixing up the mortar so I can put the Schluter Ditra floor barrier down. And my, you know, in the videos, like use your screwdriver to mix it. My, my screwdriver is a pretty good one. It, it wouldn't turn the mortar. And so I'm in, I'm like, what do I do? I've already got the water in the mix in there. I got, I got. and so I literally just went, elbow deep mixing mortar up with my hand. It was just a complete debacle. It was a, it was a complete mess, but it was, it's you, been a, it was you finished the job last night. No, well, no. There, so for those of you who don't live in the Midwest, there was a massive, massive windstorm, like massive windstorm that ripped through Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan. And so I live at the top of the hill, obviously. And um, <laughs> the wind was crazy high. And I put up a nice pergola this summer, like sturdy, sturdy pergola, blew the whole stinking thing over. I put up a shed this summer, very proud of myself, blew the shed off of the base. The shed's like on its side. All the stuff inside is blown everywhere. All like complete yard sale of all the Christmas lights I just put up. It was a disaster. So I spent all yesterday, took the day off work. I was, the kids were out of school because of wind. Have you ever heard of that? The wind, the kids were out of school. I've never heard of that. And so it's just, I just spent the last, I would say 48 hours just trying to put stuff back together. Like just pu- putting my shed back on the foundation, screwing it in this time, like getting a buddy of mine came over and we lifted the pergola up. I was going to ask you last night, but it was still windy last night. I was nervous yeah. to put the pergola back up. And so he came over this morning and we did that. And I had to go out to Northport to check on my house up there to make sure it was not burnt to the ground. And it's just been, it's been a minute, man. Like it was a, it, the wind was so crazy. I, I thought my chimney was going to come off my wood stove. Cause for those of you who have a wood stove, for those of you who don't, I don't, whatever, 
I'll educate you a little bit. Code states that if your pipe out of your house extends higher than six feet, you have to have brackets that support the pipe. My stove extends out the top of my house. I want to say four and a half feet. And so I'm like, it's fine. It's protected. It's not out the top of my roof. It's out the sunroom kind of, and then it's protected by the house and it's 10 feet from my house. Don't worry. You code people don't come after me. So I didn't support it. I tell you what, the last two days I've been sitting in my little sunroom listening to it. Like I was just waiting for my chimney just to be ripped off of my house. And I would have a hole in my roof and the kids were going to lose, but it didn't. Thankfully my house actually it was nuts. Trees down everywhere. For those of you in the area, you know, I, apparently it's heading north. So for our ca- Canadian listeners, heads up. But anyway, so we're, we're getting off topic here, but it, it was it was a crazy couple of days. My daughter's having her birthday party tomorrow. Another daughter, her birthday's Christmas Eve. So this year we're like, we'll do it the week before so you can have friends. Usually we don't have friends at our birthday party. So we got that going on tomorrow and it's just Christmas season. So we're trying. It's just there's a lot going on. And then you throw on Tim's leaving and he's coming over and I'm trying to get the bathroom done. I'm like, pets heads are falling off. It was just, it was a lot going on. Like it was a lot going on. And I'm finally just taking a breath and I'm not, I'm going to jump back in the chaos. Once I head home, I'm at work now. I came in for the afternoon just to like get away from stuff, but I guess it's just, it's a lot going on. It is Tim. It is, but it is. I mean, you know what I mean? You embrace it and you move on. Let's you want to talk a little hockey today or no? Ah, if, if we can, if we have time, you know, I think we're going to bounce around a little bit. There, there's a lot going on before we even came on the air. There was a bombshell that was dropped in my eyes, a, a pretty big deal. The second longest tenured coach in the NHL, Paul Maurice, just put in his resignation with the Winnipeg Jets. We don't know. He did do a press conference. He said he wanted to, you know, his voice wasn't carrying much weight in the locker room anymore. He wanted to step away and let someone else coach the team, guide the team, who knows what the real reasons are. I don't know if we'll ever know because Paul Maurice, he pretty much, he could have stayed there in my opinion for a long time. I I think the fans liked Paul Maurice. Usually in that situation, the GM goes first when the, when the coach is that beloved, none of the players ever talk bad of Paul Maurice, of his statistics, sorry, not a statistic, the way he coached of his analytics, the way he just kind of looked at things. He was a very, old school type of coach, but kind of had a new school mentality. So I don't know. Did you read anything or hear anything of why he resigned today? Cause it was kind of sudden. I know they just lost to Buffalo and that's usually the kiss of death when you lose to Buffalo because no one wants to lose to Buffalo at this point. What, what are the reasons there? Do you know? Well, as you know, I'm an insider for Winnipeg. So you I can't I've call been... yourself the insider. That's I have to tell you that you're the insider. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I saw, uh, I didn't watch the press conference. I saw the reports about it. I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, it, it came out of nowhere, obviously, to the people who aren't insiders. Um, but for us, some of us that are coming, if you, if you follow, read the tea leaves. And uh, so basically what, what I liked about it was that he kind of said, like, it was getting harder and harder to come to the rink every day. It was just, you know, this is a good group of guys. I'm no longer really the person to lead them. And um I thought it was just cool. You don't, you never really see a coach step away like this on his own terms with no animosity, only good things to say and just say, I'm going to go be a dad. I'm going to sleep in tomorrow, you know, just kind of focus on that kind of stuff. And, and um, my heart's maybe just not in anymore is basically what he said. 
which is cool. And, and you know, it's interesting because Winnipeg, like they're they're still right in the middle of it. They're in fifth place in their division, but that's they could easily still go on a playoff run. So it's not just it, I don't think in any sense that he was asked to leave. I think it's all his decision. I think it was all him just needing to change. And I, I think it's pretty cool the way he handled it. I see. I, I have the complete opposite reaction. I lost a lot of respect for him. Why? But he's leaving his team high and dry, completely leaving his team high and dry. And he's like, oh, I just didn't feel like it anymore. If you know you're going to have these feelings midway through the season, you don't even step foot into the into the season. Like, wh- what do you think Shifley and Wheeler and their players are thinking right now? It's like, oh, my coach, he didn't feel like he wasn't into it. When did he check out? How long ago did Paul Maurice check out? A month ago? You know, he's, he's been thinking about this for a while. He's been, you know, I, I just haven't had my whole heart into it. I really want to go home. It's total BS. I think he is just throwing his players under the bus. I feel like you are the head coach of an NHL hockey team. You have to be in it, man. This is it. Your sole job is to guide these players. And if you're not fully committed, then you got to know that before you're heading into the season. This can't be like, well, hopefully, you know, I'll still have my energy come December. It, it, we're not even midway through the season. This, we're, we're not even at the halfway mark, and he's already pulling the shoot. I don't like it. I, I think it's a cop-out. I think he should have never even started the season. I, I, I used to respect this guy. I don't like what he's doing right now. If I'm a player on this Winnipeg Jets team, I wake up in the morning. My coach resigns. Okay, understandable. Resign for a reason. Maybe there's some underlying health issues we don't know. Maybe he's got some other family issues we don't know. But to say it's just like, you know what? I'm excited to sleep in tomorrow. Like kick rocks, bud. Like I, I don't like that. I think it's a, I think it's BS. I would be upset if I was every one of those players in that locker room right now. Cause it's like, Oh great. Now we got an assistant coach to guide us. This is great. No, this is not great. This is not great at all. All of us, like this isn't a Bruce Boudreaux situation where he's going to come in and write the ship. And we were struggling. We got a good hockey team. We know we're a pretty good hockey team. We, we, got, we got some talented guys in this locker room and we like Paul Maurice and it stings to know that he hasn't had his whole heart into it. Probably the whole season. Probably it's been the whole season. It's a good point. Like um, if you've ever been like in a breakup with someone's like, yeah, I've actually been thinking about this for yeah. a while. It's like, that's the worst thing. And now you're like thinking back of like, when did it start looking for the signs and like running scenarios in your mind. And this is probably what the players are doing. Like if you've been thinking about this for a month, what was our record? They're four five and one in the last 10 games. You know what I mean? Like maybe if you had quit 10 to eight, 10 games ago, we go six and three during that stretch. Who knows? It's and everyone's probably praising him. Oh, he's doing the honorable thing. He's stepping away. BS. No way. I don't I, like it. I, I still like it. I still think it's cool. I don't know how you can think it's cool. He's like, like this team will be better off without me right now. Is what he, said. he said that too. And it takes a lot of, I think you, it takes a lot of humility to, to recognize that. And he was very honest and outspoken and, and in his press conference. And I, I don't know. We, we don't really see this kind of thing. I think it's, I think it's a good thing. Well, I'm sure it's going to be better off without him because he never had his heart into it. He wasn't engaged with the game and the players. If you know that you're thinking about leaving, that affects you so much before you leave. Like if, if you're at a job and you're like, kind of want to leave, kind of don't want to be there. This, this is not as fun as it used to be. Do you think you're going to give 100% like you had your first day on the job? Absolutely not. So it's, it really does. It, it sells the players short. 
This is a very good hockey team. And I don't care if you're the, I don't care if you're the Buffalo Sabres or the Arizona Coyotes. You don't deserve a coach who has that in the back of his mind. There are 31 teams in the NHL, 32 teams in the NHL. There are 32 head coaching jobs. It's a privilege to be an NHL coach. And for him to just kind of haphazardly dip one toe in, not sure if he wants to be there. You know what? I really would like to sleep in and be with my family. Well, then do it at the start of the season, Paul. Don't start the season with that in the back of your head. It's not okay. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Rubs me the wrong way. Anyways, Winnipeg's done, by the way. This is it. They're not all of a sudden going to hear a new voice. This They're... they're naming Lowry as their intern or whatever, whatever their assistant yeah. coach is Lowry. Yeah. He, he's just going to be a parrot of Maurice. He's not going to come in and like uh, reinvent the wheel. This isn't that situation. And they're, they're Winnipeg's done calling them right now. Well, and, and we talked about him being in fifth place. Guess who's in fourth place, Colorado, Colorado. Yeah. You're probably right. You're probably right. Well, I mean, they, look who's ahead of them. Then you got the, realistically St. Louis and Nashville are the teams in that division who they could potentially catch who have maybe issues. Maybe Nashville is the one I circle. It's like, okay, we can get Nashville. Maybe we're not getting Colorado. We're not getting Minnesota. St. Louis has looked good. Nashville's the one who, if I'm going to pick a team that maybe will have a hiccup down the road, but they've been on fire lately. They're eight and two in their last 10. So six in a row, six in a row. They're playing. Drew Saros very, very, is unreal. They're playing very good hockey. So if I'm Winnipeg, my coach wasn't in it. We've been struggling of late. It's like, what, what are we going to do now? We got to listen to our assistant coach. There's a reason you're an assistant coach and not a head coach, bud. Like there, there's, <laughs> there's a hundred, but like you're, you're done. The, the four teams in the central are, are set. It's, it's over for Winnipeg. I'm calling them now, calling the corner. The Winnipeg jets season is over. Paul Maurice just stuck a very lukewarm fork into their, the corpse, a team that's not a corpse right now. A team that has been brought back to life is the Vancouver Canucks. We touched on them last episode. I just want to dig into it again. Since then, they've won two more games or six and oh, they haven't gained any spots in the standings yet, Tim, but where, where do we stand right now for the Vancouver Canucks? You think after winning five games, 10 points in the Pacific division, which is absolutely six, six games, 12 points, excuse me, which is a, a putrid division in the Pacific division. I've gone back to thinking that's awful. Where do we stand now for the Vancouver Canucks watch? Well, they are still in seventh place in the Pacific, which I couldn't believe. I can't, it's crazy, but um, they're only one point behind San Jose and LA who was tied with 31 points. So, you know, another win um, gets them into fifth place and then they're only three points behind Edmonton. So I, this is a good chance. We talked about it on Monday or last week of is uh, they can sneak into the playoffs. And right now it's looking pretty good, even though they're only in seventh place, it's kind of deceiving. And I, if they keep winning, obviously they're going to lose at some point, but they play, they play Toronto this weekend, although the, I don't know if that game will happen. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But they're they're looking real good. And it seems like Brock Buster has kind of become his guy. He feels re-energized. He's finding the back of the net. He's got five goals during this whole six-game win streak. So it seems like him and Boudreaux are, are clicking, and he's getting the right, the right opportunities out there. Can we touch on who is the eighth team in the Western Conference right now? Sure. Let's do it. It's the Edmonton Oilers. Let that sink in through your head. The Edmonton Oilers right now are the eighth seeded team in the West. They started the season nine and one. Connor McDavid in his first 10 games 
had something ridiculous, like 28 points. Remember, he, we, we were comparing him to Wayne Gretzky's historic year when he scored 200-plus points. And we, we were literally having honest conversations if Connor McDavid could hit 200 points. Like, these were serious questions that we've been having. Since then, since they've started 9-1, and one, the wheels have fallen off the Edmonton Oilers. And I predicted it here. Maybe I didn't predict it this drastically that this would happen. I thought they would string together some wins because they play in a very garbage conference. It's gone. It's gone way worse than I predicted. They're 17 and 11. They've lost. I don't know how many in a row. They finally got a win last night. They had a six game losing streak, five game losing streak, whatever it is. Did they have inflated numbers? I like to think they did. The reason I think that is their power play was firing on all cylinders. They were plus 35% clicking on all cylinder, which is outrageous for a power play. Their penalty kill was, was phenomenal. They, they were just playing lights out hockey. When you have those two stats that are fleeting numbers, red flags start to kind of pop up for me. Now, all of a sudden Connor's not scoring. Dreinsidel is not scoring during their losing streak. Their bottom six forwards during that six-game stretch, how many goals do you think they scored during that stretch? Uh, I would guess six games for two or, lines, three or four each. Zero, zero goals, zero what? goals. We're talking Fogel, who was the big trade for Ethan Bear. That was their big pickup. Derek Ryan, Devin Shore, Ryan McLeod, Tyler Benson. Zero, not even a goal, not even a point. Zero points during that whole skid. Now, Fogel got on the scoreboard last night because they did him a favor and put him on McDavid's line with Polviari. Good for you. This has been Edmonton's Achilles heel forever. We had Tyler Ennis on last episode. We asked him why they're not winning. He can't say it because he's still in the NHL. Maybe he you know, circles back and you know, does a second tour at Edmonton. The reason they're not winning is they have no secondary scoring. They scored 14 goals this month before last night's game. Nine of them were from McDavid and Dreinsidel. Five were from other characters, defensemen. How can you win hockey games when all of your offense comes from two guys? I don't understand. We've talked about this to death. The power play will sort itself out. You're not going to be that successful every, every single time. People scout you. They're going to shut down your tendencies. I'm sorry. Edmonton, is it the biggest letdown in NHL history if they do not make the playoffs? <laughs> I mean, is come it, on. That's in NHL history. Maybe no. not in history, but is there a bigger story if the Edmonton Oilers do not make the playoffs this year? Why, why is not more people talking about this? Like, it, it, they it, – they need to make a move and they need to make a move now. Ken Holland, if he wants to keep his job, if he wants to salvage any semblance of being an active, good GM in this league, they need to make a move now because if they don't, they're done. They're absolutely done. Their defense is showing every bit of the, being a, a porous defense that we talked about at the beginning of the season. Their goaltending has been, it's been bad. Mike Smith has gone down. That did not help. They're Koskinen has come down to earth. They, yes, they have some injuries. I know that they're a bad hockey team right now. They're, they're a bad hockey team. And they what need kind to of move do you make? They're at the, they're I don't at know. the salary cap. 
I, I have no idea. I have no idea how to how to fix this. This is the bed that they made this offseason when they signed Duncan Keith, when they let Adam Larson walk. You, you signed Fogel to that amount of money. I don't understand the moves that they made, but they – What are the do you odds? Move, do you move a Tyson Berry, who's only got – Three goals, 17 points in 28 games. Pretty good, but not by his numbers. I move he everyone up not a point named, per game. I move everyone not named Dryan Seidel and McDavid. Everybody. Yeah, there's not that much value in a lot I of try to trade everybody off this team. It's funny how before the – when they were 9-1, and one, everybody was – the whole nation network were just all over me. Oh, how you looking now, John? It's like, where is everybody now? Tyler, Dan, where is everybody? It's because the Oilers are teetering on the edge of being one of the most disappointing NHL hockey teams, in my opinion, in the last two, three, four decades. I can't think of a, a team with more hype than this team. Maybe the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maybe the Leafs, but at least the Leafs make the playoffs. There's a good chance this Edmonton Oilers team does not make the playoffs. And they don't. And they shouldn't. They shouldn't. You comment in the in the comments, listeners. <laughs> Please tell me one player that the last few GMs and the, the Oilers history has made to make Connor McDavid and Dryan Seidel a better hockey player. Who have they brought in to complement these two guys? Right now, McDavid's playing with Warren Fogle and Jesse Polviari. Warren Fogle and Jesse Polviari. Warren Fogle. And Yessi, Yessi Polviari. Do you understand you this? It. Was it Jesse Poljervi? I don't know. But what are we doing here? Do we not try to put the greatest player on the planet with a guy who can be an asset to his talents? Like, what? how long has McDavid been on the Oilers? How many years? Six. Who's his best linemate? Who's his best linemate been? Are Nugent, Nuge, Nuge? Nuge and Dreisaitl, they, they play on the line. Drives me nuts. This offseason, what did I say? They need to double down. They need to go out. They need to get an offensive player who can play with McDavid. He Zach needs Hyman? Play. All right. It's not Zach Hyman. Zach Hyman does not compliment Connor McDavid. Yes, he goes in and is good on the four check. I agree with you. Hyman's been okay. He's not at the same skill level as a McDavid. It drives me nuts. It tries. You look at Toronto. You look at what they've done with their lines. You have Austin Matthews. He's a one of a kind guy. What do you do? You go out and you get a, a, a guy who can set him up for days in Mitch Marner. One of the premier, premier setup men in all of the NHL. They work so, so well together. Okay. You move over. You have Nathan McKinnon. What do you do? I go out and I get guys who can put the puck into net, who can dish. I get a Miko Rantanen and a Valerie Nishushkin. Those guys are so good with a, with a Nathan McKinnon. I, I don't understand how the Edmonton Oilers can do this to Connor McDavid for not one year. You know, I, I would give him a pass for one year. This is year after year after year of just ineptitude. It really is. And it's getting to the point now where it's like, I, I don't even know what to say anymore. It's it just frustrating to watch the Edmonton Oilers. I want them to win. I want them to be a good team. They just can't do it. They, they, they honestly can't do it. So, that's all I want to say. The Edmonton Oilers, I hope you make the playoffs. I really do. I think the, the NHL is better when they're in the playoffs, but they're not going to do it. They're honestly not going to do it at this point in the year. What else are we talking about, Tim? 
I want to just touch on the on the Penguins real quick. Bring a little positivity to today's show. They've won five in a row. Let me. Hey, who do they put with Sidney Crosby? What do you do? Who do they, who do they put with Malkin? Every single year they've gone out and they've given him premier talent to play with. Every yep. single year, Rutherford did that. They go out. They get Jeff Carter. They get um, Phil Bosa, Kessel, Aginla. Everybody to play with these guys. Do people not want to go to Edmonton and play with McDavid? Why can't a GM in Edmonton do that? Why? I don't understand how it doesn't happen. I don't understand it. It frustrates me. Yeah, but to be fair, I don't understand how Rutherford was able to pull that off every year. It's like every year, Pittsburgh is at the top of the salary cap, and they still will go out and add someone at the deadline. Made no Which sense. means it's possible to do. There yeah. are ways to do it because we've seen it done. And why is Connor McDavid not just marching into the door and be like, I'm playing with Warren Fogle and Jesse Poviari. What are we doing here, you guys? What are we doing here? All right, Pittsburgh Penguins. Right. They've won five in a row. They're sitting fourth in the Metro right now. Uh, they're playing really well. No Malkin yet. He's returning soon. I would expect by the end of the month. I think he's doing a no-contact jersey. But they've lost some serious injury time with for guys like Crosby, obviously, Latang, Gensel, Brian Rust. And they still have strung together all these games and played really well. And I think you got to give some props to Mike Sullivan for his, his coaching staff and then some of the other guys stepping up, we saw Jeff Carter has kind of been the you know number one center since the beginning of a season. Now he's on number two with, with Crosby back, but he's putting up a lot of points. You got uh, Evan Rodriguez putting up basically a point per game kind of out of nowhere. He's never really produced like this in Buffalo for sure. Kasperi Kapanen's having a good season. And then we haven't talked about this. I haven't seen this anywhere. The the number one whipping boy for goaltenders the last couple of years, especially last season, other than maybe Carter Hart, was Tristan Jerry. He's having a fantastic season. I was kind of blown away. I was looking at it last night. He's 13 and five. Okay, good team. Letting in, in less than two goals a game is 1.93. Save percentage is 934. Like this Pittsburgh team, man, you, you come back and you add those healthy guys and you add Malkin. This is going to be, I don't know. I, is this a dangerous team? Is, it, is there a better, I don't know, fourth seed potentially in, in the league right now than them? No, there's not. No, absolutely. I usually disagree with you. If I am any team in the NHL in the Eastern Conference slotting in for playoffs and I'm trying to maneuver and position myself for a good matchup, do you really want to look across from you game one and see Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and all the cast of characters that they have? Not, not a chance in the world. If I'm the Carolina Hurricanes, I'm purposely losing games so the Rangers can get the first overall seat. I, I don't want to play the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're a very dangerous team. And when you give them a little motivation, which Malkin will have because he's in a contract year, they're going to be a scary team. They really, really are. I, they, again, much going back to Edmonton, Jason Zucker is not a fantastic player, but he is a really good player. How can you not get a player like that? A Kasperi Kapanen. Yes, he's not great. He's better than a Warren Fogle. I don't know. But Pittsburgh, what, what are you going to say? He's better no, than I mean, no, but like if, if Kapanen's your, you're talking about secondary scoring, he's a great third line player. Like that's perfect. Yes. You know, he is. And he's only on the first line right now because um, Gensel's out and Rust is out. So those, those are the reason those two guys are getting the opportunity right now and they're running with it. But I tell you what, you get Rust back, you get Gensel back, you get Malkin back, you got Tristan Yari playing really, really good hockey. Their defense is serviceable. They have, you know, guys who can get up in the rush. They got Marino and Pedersen. They have a very quietly good team, and they are being really competitive in that division, which is the best division in hockey. So I tell you what, Tim, 
I would not want to play the Pittsburgh Penguins coming into the playoffs. And we were talking about this before we came on the air. Washington, we're going to touch on a little bit. It would not surprise me if Pittsburgh, take, they take this whole division. They're playing that good of a hockey, good of hockey. And eh, Washington's starting to slow down. Carolina's, they have holes in their game that they're starting to show a little bit. The Rangers always implode. They're always good for a nice streak of losses. Pittsburgh, these injuries getting healthy, steady as she goes. The guys who kind of plugged and played, they really showed they're really good hockey players. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if the season's over Pittsburgh's first or second seed in this division. Does it always seem like Pittsburgh Pittsburgh gets injuries every year? Every single year. It does. Games lost due to injury. Pittsburgh's always in the top three. I don't understand why. Malkin can't seem to stay healthy. Crosby's always on the injury reserve. Latang's the same way. I know they've played a lot of hockey, but boy, oh boy. I would look into that if I was like the GM or the president. Like, what are we doing differently that other teams are doing? Because we seem to get tons of injuries every single year. It's a very strange thing. But hey, credit to Pittsburgh. They've overcame that. And they look really good. They look really, really good, especially in that tough Metro division. I want to give a quick shout out, too, before we get too far ahead is uh, our fan tracks league. We haven't talked about much. I'm eight and one. Not a big deal. The one week I lost was was BS anyway. It shouldn't count. You're five and four, which is pretty good. I thought you I thought you would have been like two and seven or something at this point. Um, but I want to give a quick shout out to, I, I guess, Sarah Santa Slayer is the name of the team. They're in first place. Um, so if your name is Sarah, I'm guessing. Uh, thank you for playing. Good luck. I hope that you stay there or if I don't catch you. But it's a lot of fun. I, I, I chat with the people in the league and the message board and stuff. And it's a pretty active thing. You should you should drop in from time to time, John. Say hello. Not going to happen. They don't pay me money anymore. So why would I go there? And I'll be, I'm being completely honest. If, if they were still a sponsor, I'd be on there every day. They, they didn't want it. They used me. And they abused me and they kicked me to the curb. So good for fan tracks. Not going on the site anymore. You can do it. We'll, we'll give the winner a jersey still. I still stand by that. I got no time. It's a good site to throw rocks at. Not doing it. So I, I'm surprised I'm 5-4 and four too. Because when I think I, I stopped looking, I was 0-3 or 0-4. So I don't know. Now what I am going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order DoorDash, even if they don't want to be our sponsor anymore. Because they're a heck of a company. And I used them before they became our sponsor. I'm going to use them after they become our sponsor. Unless Uber Eats wants to jump in the mix, then I might change. But right now, it's DoorDash. And they're the best. They're the best, Tim. You're probably going to use them when you go to, to North Carolina. Am I right? Uh, yeah. I might use them tonight. Jeez, I, my, my kitchen stuff, everything's packed. You know you're not I mean? going to know where to eat. The good thing about DoorDash, you know you're not going to – well, you might get a bad meal. But you're going to get it fast, and you're going to get it for a good and fair price. They deliver anything you want. It's just, you know, I've said it before. It's the best idea. You're hungry. Boop, boop, phone, DoorDash, thank you. Food's at my door, piping hot or super cold, however you want it. I don't know if you're getting sushi or ice cream or whatever. I will bet you if you get ice cream, it'll get there still nice and cold. So go to DoorDash. Use promo code GLOVESDD if you're in Canada. Gloves DDUS. If you're in the US of A, tell them we sent you 25% off, free delivery on your first order. It's a good thing. I use DoorDash. Tim uses DoorDash. Everybody on my men's hockey league uses DoorDash and they use our promo code. Helps them out and helps us out. It's a win win. I don't know. DoorDash. Check it out. Very, very good. So uh, the Olympics are still around the corner, and it seems like we're getting more and more players starting to make some interesting comments. We already know the Robin Laner 
backed out a few weeks ago. What have you heard going on with the Olympics, John? Well, Eric Carlson, you teed me up, Tim, on that one. I like that. I usually tee you up. That was a good one. So I'm a San Jose insider, and I'm sure everybody's already heard this, but Eric Carlson made some interesting comments about his Olympic stance. And we talked about this earlier, China's protocols when it comes to COVID, what happens if you get a positive test. There's a lot of unknown, much like China itself as a country. They're a very closed book. They don't just offer information willy-nilly like the USA does or pretty much any other country does. So there's a lot of question marks. And players don't like don't like unknowns. They want to know where they have to be, how long they got to be there, and when they got to be there for. They're very black and white players. So going into the Olympics, the COVID issue is a huge unknown. How are we going to take care of this? How are we going to handle this? How are the testing protocols? When are we going to get tested? Is it going to be similar to what we're doing now in the NHL? Players need to know this. Agents need to know this because it affects you. It doesn't just affect you as a player. It affects the team. It affects everything in the NHL. So Eric Carlson was the first major player to come out and say something about this. Most players, when they've been given interviews about what do you think? They're like, well, we're waiting to hear information. We're waiting to hear back. They have to make a decision by January 10th. So they have a few weeks. He said, this is Eric Carlson, quote, most of the issues are public knowledge. If that's the way it's going to be, I don't see it being very feasible for guys to take that risk. That's my personal opinion. I don't understand why anyone would would agree to take the risks of being in that position that we will be in once we board that plane to China. You send 250 plus guys, including trainers and staff, someone's going to get dinged. And then, so they asked, are you going to the Olympics? And he said, no, most likely not. I don't think that, as I said, is very feasible, very smart as a human being to do that. Pretty concrete answer there from Eric Carlson. You know, he, he's not one to, say something he doesn't mean he just doesn't give flipping answers he's a very thought you know thought out well-processed answer type of guy so are most guys going to lean this way do you think because if there's a huge question mark if i jump on that plane and i go to china i it's you are totally giving up your freedom your everything you are under the thumb of the chinese government if they think you are covid you're done man like you just can't say okay you know what i changed my mind i want to go home you're there you're completely there. Your rights are gone. Do you think most guys will bow out like Eric Carson will, or will they strike some kind of deal with the IOC? I think, I think honestly, and maybe this is oversimplifying it, but age is going to have something to do with it where, where he's already, you know, 30 plus he's played in the Olympics before, you know, if this is not a once in a lifetime opportunity for him, if there's a 25 year old defenseman who is, like this is his first chance at it, and maybe he's maybe he's willing to take that risk. Maybe he's maybe he doesn't have the experience to know what exactly is gonna, this is going to entail. That Eric Carlson's kind of can see the writing on the wall. So I, I think that's going to have something to do with it. And I think like we talked about last week, Bettman and this is Bettman loves this because he doesn't have to be the bad guy here. He's going to let players do their things. You know, the, the countries and GMs and teams, whatever, kind of figure it out on their own. Um, and I think we are going to see like we saw with Laner, like we're basically what we're seeing with Carlson, I think we'll see a lot more veterans, especially bowing out of the Olympics. Especially if you have a family, if you have other people to worry, but you can't just go to China and get COVID. And I, they, they backed off the three to five week stance, but who knows they could change their mind tomorrow and be like, okay, you know what? We're, we're putting that back in place. So you have no power over that. That's, that's the issue I think players have where it's a moving target. No one knows what the, the, 
clear cut concrete protocols are because it's all ever changing much like COVID is. So I agree. I I think it's, it's going to be an issue. I, I don't, I don't see a lot of players going that are like you said, older, like very high end named guys. I think what we're going to see is it's such a weird situation. The Olympics used to be a premier premier tournament. Everybody wanted to go to. And now if I'm a guy like Patrick Kane for team USA, like you said, I've been to a few Olympics. Why would I go over to China to a complete unknown? And I could sit there for two, three, four weeks. If, if the tests come back positive, like, and then I'm done. So I don't know. I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope they can strike some agreement where if you do get a positive test, instead of going into the China's protocol, you go isolate in the hotel and they get you back home as soon as they can. So it's, it's a moving target. The one thing I do know, the big moneymaker with the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, it's hockey. Everybody knows it. It's not a secret. For, for this Olympics to be successful, they have to have NHL players there. That's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Four years ago when they were in South Korea, were they in South Korea? I think they were. I don't know. Exactly, because there was no NHL players there. No one remembers it. It was very forgettable. There was no real, you know, all the golden goal. There was no moments that people remember. There was no shootouts where TGOs, he's taking 15 chances in a row and burying all of them. It's because there was no NHL players there. No one cared. Oh, I'm going to watch curling instead. They need the NHL players there for this to be successful. And I don't think they're going to risk that by not bending a little bit to their, their wills. So we'll see how that goes. But for Eric Carlson to say this, he's a, he's, he's a pretty big cog in Swedish Olympic hockey. You know, he might not be that big in San Jose right now. He's a big deal in Sweden. And for Robin Lehner already to say, I'm not going. That's that's two big deals in Sweden right now, and they're they're a gold medal favorite. So we'll see how this shakes out. Let's just stick on the COVID train for a little bit, and then wrap it up. I hate talking about COVID. I don't want to get into it. There's a lot of games being canceled. And there's a lot of issues around the NHL. Tim's trying to do his points bet pick. He loves gambling. The guy's a fiend. Every night there's games being canceled. What you're a COVID insider, Tim? You've had it. What's going on? with the league and COVID nowadays, what are we doing? Can we expect more games to be canceled? What's happening with COVID? Well, the flames last weekend were the the big team where I think Sunday night or maybe Monday, Monday morning, um, they had like something like 17 players go into COVID protocol. They canceled a bunch of games in a row. We saw a few guys on um, really a lot of these teams, Um, Carolina, Boston started to happen. Bergeron and Martian are both, um, in COVID protocol, along with a bunch of other players. So we can kind of see it ramping up. And then today, I, we made the agenda for this morning, kind of prepared to talk about just that. And all of a sudden, all these games are being canceled, where Boston lost to um, um, the Islanders last night with basically almost a half AHL lineup. And then they get canceled for Saturday's game in um, Montreal and probably Sunday in, in, in Ottawa as well. And then all these other games start getting canceled. Frank Saravelli was all over it. The Avalanche game against the Bolts games is canceled. The Minnesota Wild and Florida Panthers is canceled. The Flames games have been canceled. And then not just like today or this weekend, all those teams are not playing again until at the earliest, December 27th. It's December 17th now. So like this is this is a big deal, and it's going to keep happening, I think. And what Frank kind of his, – his summary of, of all this information was that as of this exact moment, which is 2 p.m. on Friday – um, 
the NHL doesn't plan to shut down operations league-wide until after the Christmas. They were just these couple of teams. Um, but he said that this could change at any point. It's developing rapidly. And, and LeBron said the same thing, like this could turn on a dime and we could have another lockdown. We could have another hiatus, whatever. Um, and we've already seen teams, even the ones that are playing, are restricting capacity. Some of them are playing 50%. Some of them are starting to lock fans out completely. So it's – I don't like the way the wind is blowing. Is that a is that a rip at me because of my wind damage? This no. It's too a soon. To Bob Dylan. It's too soon. I don't know who Bob Dylan is. It's too soon. But uh, I agree. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, I don't know. Canada seems more strict with COVID than the USA is. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. Toronto already kind of limited the fans. Montreal said no more fans. We're playing terrible hockey. We don't want people to watch this. We're going to use COVID as an excuse. So I, I really don't know how this is going to go. I hope they don't shut it down. But there's no, there doesn't seem to be any, there's no rhyme or reason. It's like Bruins shouldn't have played last night. You know, and then all of a sudden, okay, well, we, we can't play tomorrow. We wonder what changed. Nothing changed. It's just someone said, well, we're not going to play tomorrow. So I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I don't want to get into the COVID conversation, but I don't know. I don't, I don't even like talking about it. It's just like, go away already. No one wants to talk about you. Hopefully it doesn't affect the season. It already has. What if the Bruins need those points? What if, you know, we shouldn't have played yesterday. We were missing half our team and you forced us to play and we, we need that point. So the league has to step in and do something. They either shut the whole seat league down for a couple of weeks. Everybody gets cured, but that's not going to cure it. Everybody's going to get this thing. Vaccines don't seem to thwart it. Everybody's vaccinated and people are still getting it. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, Tim. Make everybody wear a bubble always so no one gets sick. Just keep a needle in your arm always so you can just have vaccine flowing through your veins always. I don't know. Well, the interesting thing is that, and, and I haven't read all this extensively, but everything I've seen is that, especially with the Bruins, for example, that they're all asymptomatic or testing positive. No one's sick. Um, so hopefully it's not, it, it doesn't ramp up into anything like we've seen before in the last couple of years where things shut down completely. Um, but right now, like Frank and LeBron both said, this could turn quickly. So something to watch. I mean, by the time people listen to this episode, I bet more news will have broken about the, the games being canceled or postponed or players being locked down. So hopefully not. Whatever. Give us a points <laughs> bet, Tim. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> we'll see if this game actually happens tonight. But Vegas is playing the New York Rangers. And if you were to guess, who would you say is favored in that game? Well, the Rangers are the best team in the league, right? Uh, they're definitely up there. Um, but Vegas is actually favored slightly. I think they're minus 136. They've won three in a row. Uh, they beat the Devils last night. A pretty trippy game. Robin Lehner getting into it, which I loved. Um, but I like the Rangers tonight and the an underdog pick. So you get even more money. They're minus or plus 115 over the Golden Knights tonight. That is a lock. That is, I'm taking all the money that I saved by uh, using DoorDash at that 15%. And I am betting it on. Well, Panarin is day to day. So before you get, he, Panarin's not playing. So that's maybe why the Vegas Golden Knights that's are paying. Okay. That's okay. That's, that's okay. not going to affect them. Kreider's going to step up and, and their uh, starting goaltender is her Shashirskin. So uh, no, I, I knew all that when I when I picked this. So. All right, it's that okay. factored that in. Capo Caco has played well. Two goals last night. So he's picked up his game quite a bit with this opportunity he's been given. So 
you know, it, it's a it's a solid bet. I like the Rangers. Good pick. Get out there, make a bet, make a difference, everybody. We'll talk to you. Are you going to be able to record next week, Tim? Or are you going to be too busy moving? And- no, I'll be good. I'll be good. Right. I get I get back to Boston Sunday night um, for the holidays, so I'll be good. All right, everybody. Well, have a good weekend. Get ready for the big Christmas day coming up. Very exciting stuff. We'll talk to everybody next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.